Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to the I Fell Podcast. I'm your host and creator, Shay Ruff, also known as Wisdom by 30 author and owner. What is this podcast about? This podcast is a space where failure is welcome. Our guests and myself will be sharing our failed moments to help you get through yours and be set free from regret. So grab your favorite snacks, drink, friend, while we get free together. See you soon. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the IFL podcast. I am your host and creator, Shayra. Today's failure is about money handling. Oh, my goodness. Let's be honest. So money has been out here holding us in bondage, holding us hostage. And today we need to break free. So today's guest is back with us again, Dr. Renisha Fields. She is the owner of Defining You by His View and the blogger of Life with Room. And today she is going to help us get a handle on our relationship with money by telling her super sensitive story. So Dr. Rue, thank you for coming back with us. I appreciate you. Hey guys. Okay. So the host and creator, Miss Shay Ruff, who we all love and adore, she loves to propel you into your future because I get one master's degree. <laughs> yes, ma'am. She's trying to send me back for more final exams. <laughs> Not at all. No, no, no. Just just speak in life. That's all. I, pre- I appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> but I'm super excited to be back with you guys and to get into this. Woo. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, let's jump in. So, tell us, how did you know that you were failing at handling money? Okay. So the best way I can say this is, has anybody ever been in a relationship where one person knows what's going on and the other person does, like you don't even know your status? I didn't even know my status. Um, Like I legitimately was in an unfaithful relationship with money. (laughs) And I actually got my face cracked while sitting in church. Mm-hmm. So let me just set the stage for you at the church that I was attending and that I still attend in out here in Phoenix Faith Christian Center. Mm-hmm. We were in the health month and with the health month series, they go over different types of health. And one of them was financial health. So I was like, oh, this is cool. All right, cool. So our pastor starts to use a lot of resources and the word to break down finances, God's plan for finances. And he gets to this slide where he puts up the status for finances for the, uh, everyone in America, just cross the board, like average person, this, and it starts to break down low income, middle, high, those kind of things by class. Mm. So as I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the, the words, and the, the number signs, and I'm positive I'm low class. Oh. Because that's how I viewed myself. Like, my identity with money 
mentally I put myself in a status of low class. And as he's reading it and he's giving the, the numbers, it's like, wait, I'm not low class? Oh, my. Blew my mind. In that moment, I found out I was not low class. I was not low income, that I was middle income. But I was thinking and responding and functioning like low class. So, okay, wait. So why did you think you were in low class? <laughs> what, wait, where did that come from? Why did you think you were in low class? I, I honestly, I hate to say this, but I think it just comes from the idea. Um, and if I may be frank, yes, I've seen people working hard my whole life to obtain. So it's always this, we're working to get something. It's, you know, um, you don't really see it looking as if there's an arrival to yes. what you're trying to obtain. Yes. So you just feel like you're behind. Like you don't feel like you're ahead. You just feel like you're behind. Also an idea of maybe everyone else is doing better than I am financially. Mm. Um, but then there's also some truth to the fact that you are going to have your life reflect what you think about it because how you think is going to impact what you put out. Ooh, so that's great. because of the fact that I thought that I was low income, low class, I was living like someone that's low class, living outside of maybe my means and not living in a position to afford the things that based on the number that was on that screen, I should be able to afford. Mm. So what was your number? Well, geez. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, so at that time, um, okay, so I'm dating it because obviously I was out here in Phoenix. So at this point, I'm not only in a career as opposed to a job, but the only reason I was even out here is because I got a promotion. So the number was about 54, 55,000 a year. Okay. And so this was your number at the time that you thought that you were low class, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I know. It sounds crazy. (laughs) No, but no, because the reason why I'm, I'm making sure that I'm, I'm, bookmarking this is because majority of us with ethnic backgrounds we sometimes grow up in not the best neighborhoods not the best situations we have single parents whether it's a single mother single fathers because single fathers do exist um whether we have both parents and they're barely making it to um to take care of the family themselves or whatever the case is and I say this all the time when I first moved to Atlanta I felt like oh my god we have been poor all my life like it was a moment that hit me that was like oh my god I really grew up in poverty because it, it was just such a different dynamic and so because my mom was a single parent, for me, we we were doing well, but just moving to a different place where you're not doing what you, you're not considered as doing well, for me, it made me hustle. And I'm doing air quotes because hustling is like 
the thing to do. So we like, okay, it's the constant chase of chasing money and everything. Mm-hmm. So it made me hustle a lot more. So I'm going to school, I'm working three jobs, I'm doing side hustles and, and all this other stuff. I'm doing hair and and just all over the place or whatever. So I, when I think of 55, well, 54, $55,000, I think uh, per year, a year, mm-hmm. I used to think, oh my God, like I'm set for life. Like I never have to worry about anything else again because I knew where we came from and I knew what my mom was making a year and she didn't make that. Yeah. Three children, you know what I mean? She didn't make that. So that's why I'm I'm bookmarking that part because we do get caught up on numbers and we Mm -hmm. do get caught up on our upbringing, which changes our trajectory. And that's not a bad thing, but it does put us in a place of, oh my God, because they got Fendi shoes, they they're they're doing better than me, right? So yeah. it's the mentality, and so that's what I wanted to highlight. But yes, and I feel like so when I mentioned being unfaithful with money or like not knowing my status, how I classified myself is huge because it impacted how I spent my money. Because to be honest, I had a poverty mindset. Ooh, like what you just said about that number. And that number, when you are growing up and you're aspiring to achieve things, that's not a bad number, I would say, for most people anywhere. Yeah. But even though I was making the number, I still felt like the person in poverty. So as I'm progressing, I'm not seeing me progressing. So that poverty mindset, coupled with kind of some hood rich tendencies that I think that if we were to break it down, a lot of people suffer from um, just, you know, from ethnic communities. Like, I think that those things really played into why, even though I was having advancement, my thought about myself and my status and, and with money didn't shift my relationship with money and how I use my money. Mm. So that moment was pivotal for me because when I saw, wait a minute. I'm middle class. I was just like, I should be functioning differently. Yeah. Because to the point of your hustle, you know, the hustle mentality. Oh, wait, have I arrived? Like Mm -hmm. whatever I was working to get to, have I arrived? And then if I have arrived, why doesn't it feel different? And I had to evaluate everything. And I was just like, I'm just very unfaithful in certain categories of, of what I'm doing with my money. And, um, not really stewarding it well to allow it to be the resource that can serve me. I was just more so serving it. Right. And that's, that's the thing. When you say serving it, a lot of us have been in a situation where we allow our money to, to be our master because, you know, like I said, again, going back to hustling, it's like you're, it's a chase. Mm -hmm. Like you're chasing money and really money should be chasing you um, because you set the tone, your mind, your mentality, your will, your emotions, all of that sets the tone for how your relationship should be with money mm-hmm. and, um, and how you steward it. Because think about it, money is given to us 
and it's given to us to be able to manage. We are the managers mm-hmm. of what we have, whether we have children, we have children, rather, a spouse, a house, car. We are the manager of those things. But when those things start to overtake us, that becomes a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And the good, the good thing is no matter what it is that any of us do, because there may be some people listening and they just be like, dang, if I had 54, like I get where you would be thinking that. Yep. But whether you make 9000 a year, because I've done that, 17000 done that, 25, 54, 154. Right. If your attitude about money doesn't change, then your habits with money won't change and you will still be just as check to check as the person who has a part-time job instead of living like the rich king and queen owning, you know, that you could be. So I will say that for me to not even get the revelation I got until I had reached at that point, my highest level of success was huge for me. Cause even though I was making that, Ask me what I had in savings. Oh, wow. So you just want to hit us like that. Okay. Right. All right. Ask me. Okay. 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 So, so how Ask much me. do you have in savings? Well, if I had a couple of hundred dollars in savings, it was because of the fact that I had started with my job setting up a savings account where I did not have a card access to it. And I would have to physically go into that bank and they closed at like three, three 30. So if I didn't go to that bank, I had to do an electronic transfer, but I would have to wait a few days before it would be valid. And if it was on the weekend, forget about it. It's three to five days. So because that was the case, that wasn't easily accessible money. So that money didn't get touched much, but it got touched often because instead of that truly being a savings account, I use it like a spending account. Mm. I use it much differently now, but you would think, oh, there should have been money in the savings. Well, and then let's talk about what my checks went towards. Ooh, okay. Not just life bills. How about this extra stuff? How about credit cards? How about, and then when, and this is where I say it's low-key a little hood rich mentality. And this really, it don't even have to be an ethnic you know, background. This can be anybody who's anybody. just not thinking with wisdom. So, you know, you guys forgive me for that earlier, but it is seen very often in our communities. But the reason I say poverty mindset coupled with hood rich mentality is if that's the dollar amount that I'm making, and then we remove what my necessary expenses are, because you got to have somewhere that you're going to live. You got to use wisdom in where you live, what you purchase, but You got to have somewhere you're going to live. You got to pay gas. You're going to have to pay utilities. You're going to have to buy food. But my Discover card that I discovered I don't need, (laughs) I didn't need to run that stuff up. Yes. And the stuff that I purchased, were those things that I really need? Or were those things that I felt a pressure based on an impact that society has had on me to purchase those things? Society doesn't put a gun to my head to have me do it. But my mindset around what I need to have impacts my financial decisions. So I ended up in a situation where not only student loan debt, which grateful for my degree, 
but that piece has to be there. But some of those other things, they don't have to be there. Um, some of the things that I would do, like, oh, this is fun stuff to do, but I could have used a lot more discretion when it came to the decisions that I made and how I spent my money. Mm-hmm. And those were things that I didn't even consider before until I saw, look at the foldable resource that you have that's been coming to you this whole time. What could you be doing with it? Wow. What do you currently do with it? And how can you shift those things to make it to where your money goes where you want it to go? Because all of this time, no matter what job I work at, how little I made, I was always making money. We're going to always be making money. Always. But how we handle that money will make a difference in how much more of it we get, you know, what can grow or how much of our money we get to keep. So you said a lot. And so I'm going to start from the beginning with credit cards. Mm -hmm. So with credit cards, my mom, okay, this is how my mom got me. She got a credit card and she put me as an authorized user on the credit card when I was 16 years old. And so back then, Jabot was hot. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, well, we call them G Nike in New Orleans, but the Air Force Ones were hot. So for me, it was like, she was like, oh, it's it's $400. No, I'm sorry. It was $500 on on a credit card. So she was like, you're working. You have a credit card. This credit card is for emergencies only. So my idea of an emergency is I'm about to go to the New Orleans Center, which which was a mall (laughs) at the time, and I'm going to use this emergency to go buy me some Jabot jeans, jean shorts, rather, and a jean skirt because the dance is coming up. I spent $150 on this skirt and these jeans. And so when the bill came, my mama took that bill and she was like, oh, you got a bill. (laughs) (laughs) I said, oh, I'm sorry, what? She said, you have a bill. You pay, you you bought that the jeans, right? And you bought the skirt, right? That was $150. Now you got to pay that back with interest. Hmm. Since that day, I don't want to touch no credit cards. <laughs> nothing. You mean to tell me? Because for me, when I th- when I thought of credit in my 16-year-old mind was, oh, here you go. This is yours. I'm like, oh, my allowance is up. I've been responsible. I, I'm on an honor roll. All this other stuff. Had no idea that the interest was going to be, what, 20%, I think, at the time? <clears throat> 20%, you know how crazy that is? And mm-hmm. so I say all, all of that to say, if you have a credit card, there's nothing against that. There's nothing against you. It's something that, you know, we all have dipped in because we're like, okay, this is emergency. But that emergency that you're using comes with a cost. And it's a way much more cost than what it was before when you didn't have it in the first place. And so... They put us in this economy where they make us feel like, oh, your credit score is so important. Oh, you don't have any credit. Go get a credit card. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, go get a Macy's card or go get a Best Buy card or go get some type of credit card to build your credit to show that you're responsible. The truth is, 
God never intended for us to be in debt, right? Never intended for us to be in it. But because of that mentality, like you said, and because of what we're used to and what we grow up in, that's the type of stuff that keeps us in bondage with money. Mm-hmm. That's the type of thing. And then also savings. People don't know what that is. They don't, they don't know what savings are. Like they hear of it and it sounds like a good idea. But when you're living from paycheck to paycheck, it's like, what, what am I going to save? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing is, so you said a lot of good stuff and I can for sure say that comes with almost like Americans as consumers, we're always wanting to consume things and it's a standard to have a credit card. It's a standard, well, I'm sorry, it's a standard to purchase things on credit. We're yeah. actually pushed towards it. So when it comes to ownership, it's an expectation that whatever it is that you're going to have, it's common that you're going to walk through the ownership of that through some type of credit. And it becomes so common that we're so numb to it. And I will say for myself, my first introduction. So the great thing is my parents have had a great relationship with credit cards. They're super responsible when it comes to that. So it's not that I learned those habits from them, but when I got to college, so I'm on the heels of of FAMU and they are literally at this time, and I'm dating myself, they are giving out free calling cards if you sign up for credit cards. So you just keep signing up for credit cards and you get free calling (laughs) cards. Now, who in their 18, 19, 20-year-old young and dumb mind is not going to use that card and go and buy themselves an outfit for homecoming? Who's not going to do it? Do you think that she didn't use those cards? I absolutely use those cards. So now as I introduce, I get introduced into adulthood, I'm simultaneously getting introduced into this unhealthy relationship with credit and debt. And because it's like, there's always a bill we're paying. It's standard and normal for people to do credit cards. It's like you sprinkle in a little bit of hood rich thinking, poverty mindset, and then accessibility to things that are meant to benefit the vendor, you know, the credit source, and then keep me in a position of, hey, it is a level of bondage. And one thing I want to say when it comes to origin of debt. So scripture-wise, debt was allotted, but it always had a time point. So God's, his um, orchestrating or trying to, kind of structure and put some boundaries with that is it should be seven years so back before we had like actual big businesses and people were indebted to each other or like oh, okay you owe me money what do you have all right can you pay me in meal all right well then bring your son over here and he can work for me they would say slave but kind of like worker well it would be the person has the debt but then they should be released after seven years mm. when you insert greed there's not a release. And then that's when it becomes true bondage. There should be some fairness to it, but we're not talking fairness when money comes in. That's what money itself isn't even evil. It's the root. Um, the root of evil is the love of it. And I will tell you, I'm sorry. Okay. Can you say that for the people in the back again? Money isn't evil. Money isn't bad. It's, the root of the evil part when it comes to money is the love of it. So the greed, the greed. 
And also it can kind of slice both ways. So someone could say, well, I ain't got no money. I don't necessarily have a greed thing. I'm trying to get it. But I still feel as if there's a little bit of trickery and connection. Screw it. Ain't a little bit. It's trickery and a connection to evil. Like the intent of that is because now you're a person who maybe you don't have. Are you not stressed out? Are you not working and running yourself in the ground just yeah. so that you can create a better position? And is money not the way that you see your way to doing that? I mean, think about every level of desperate action and crime. Think about all of the stress that happens with people. There are all kinds of health issues that have come about just because of the fact that people don't have the money that they need to be able to take care of what they need to take care of. And it really puts them in bondage to the money, meaning it doesn't leave them free to do maybe some of the things they're supposed to do. Yeah. Time with your family, purpose, freeing you up to be able to have additional resources so that you can launch that business so that you can give in the way that your heart wants to give. That's what I'm saying. Like all of that, that's rooted in some, you know, that ain't about the right at all. So I ended up in that spiral of, I have these cards in my name, but on the flip side, Hey, check American dreams. All right. You need to build credit to get this thing. Well, what I'm learning is like, I can walk in anywhere and buy whatever I want to buy because cash is still king. Okay. All day. Like no one says credit is king. Cash is king. You need credit when you can afford to get the thing. But I'm just like, even now, like my mindset when it comes to money and finances is just so different that I even tell myself the truth about what I don't have the maturity to handle. So like, like what you were saying earlier with like credit not being bad. I look at this like sin. Okay. Yeah. Now, so the script and y'all are like, y'all, I hope y'all know who I rock with. So, you know, y'all just gonna have to work with me through this as I, as I bring this together. They're fine. They'll be fine. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to the Bible, there's always a clear statement about what's wrong when it comes to certain things. And then there'll be other things. And it's like, well, the Bible doesn't say don't, but sometimes you'll have a personal revelation of, you know what? It doesn't say that I can't do this, but I've learned that me doing this isn't good for me. Yes. So in a sense, it's like, hmm, maybe not a sin for you, but I'm going to end up in a trick bag if I do this. That's the situation with credit. Like I have been shown by myself that I am not to be trusted (laughs) when I have access (laughs) to the swipe of the swipe swipe. So until I get a level of discipline and I don't be having an all you can eat buffet of the swipey swipe swipe, <laughs> we're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, so I want to say to anybody who is listening, you work too hard not to have anything to show for it. Because just like you said, the whole buffet of swipey swipe we get into this mode of, well, I deserve it. I should go get it. It should be mine. That is very true. 
but how you get it and how you obtain it is what you need to think about first. Because if you're going to get that dream car, are you paying cash out of your pocket so you can enjoy it and you don't have a bill for it? Or are you going out to get credit because your credit score is a certain number and you're able to get it, but you still owe them for it? Mm-hmm. So we got to decide which buffet we want to eat from. Because I understand the whole swipe part, but we got to be disciplined and we have to be very clear on what buffet we're eating from when it comes to swiping. That's just that's just the truth of it. Facts. And another thing, to be honest, it I honestly believe it goes so much deeper than that too. Mm-hmm. I think we also have to be clear on our motive and understand our motive. And this is why I feel as if I'm terming it hood rich and you guys may have a different name for it. But when it comes to my desire for the dream car, for the home, for the hand, the bag, whatever it is that I'm purchasing, taking it back to the heart. Why do I want it? Yes. Why do I feel like I need it? Can I wait? Is this a status purchase? Is this for whatever reason I feel like at this time I'm seeing things around me and other people in my position have been able to do this and I want to be on the same level? Is this I grew up not being able to have and now I work so hard that I deserve it. So I'm going to go out there and I'm going to buy it because sometimes a person's issue may not be credit. Maybe they're disciplined, right? But you could still have somebody who is making $34,000 a year and is in a position to where when they retire, they're going to have $2 million for them to live off of. And it's because whenever they got a raise, they didn't feel the need to go and purchase some new thing that gave them a tangible example of what it is that they're achieving. They were able to comfortably just say, you know what? I did good. Here's maybe a small reward for myself, but it doesn't have to be an outward display for other people to affirm. That's true. So again, all of it goes back to your mentality, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts when it comes to money. Because we do sometimes, well, I'll say for me, I'll say for me, when I was making a certain amount of money, I felt like I had to have that Gucci bag. I felt like I had to have the Chanel bag, but I'm broke. Mm-hmm. Broke. Got a, a nice bag on my shoulder, a nice bag I'm carrying on my wrist, but you can literally blow inside of it because it's so much air. Ain't no money in there. Ain't nothing in there but my ID mm-hmm. and my keys. But it's the status of, oh, she got a nice bag. Oh, she always has this, this, and this. And I had to come out of that thought process and that mentality because your bag means nothing if you have nothing in it. There was no substance. Mm-hmm. That's a word within yourself. But there was no substance. That that could speak to many things. <laughs> <laughs> no substance inside of my bag. But because of the status and because... I live in Atlanta and I want to go home 
for Mardi Gras or the Bayou Classic or just go home for the holidays. I want everybody to see, yep, I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. I'm doing just fine in Atlanta. No, I'm not. Yeah. And <laughs> and I think like, okay, so y'all help me out with this. So um, is there, well, they, maybe I want to ask them a question. I want them to be able to comment. Okay. All right. Y'all tell me. Are you comfortable reaching whatever financial position you've worked hard to achieve? Say it's the year 2030. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable reaching that? Having colleagues with all kinds of different status symbols. Are you okay to drive your 2002 Honda Civic that's paid off? Do you feel okay parking it in the parking lot at work? Are you all right taking it to your friend's house and celebrating as they celebrate a new purchase? Or are you all right um, living in your apartment where you can smell the curry come through the walls or whatever your neighbors are cooking? Come on, curry. (laughs) Yummers. Are you all right doing that even though Everyone else you know is buying a house. Mm. That's a good question. That is a great question for me. And because I'm a little bit wiser now, I would definitely pull up in my Honda Civic. Same. I probably I probably <laughs> would have my 2002, because that's the year that I graduated from high school, tassel in the mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, Mira Tassels. No, I, I just might do that because you know what? I don't owe anybody. And that's and your I'm business. Happy with that. <laughs> yes. And also, you, a person who is comfortable doing that, like, well, one thing I will say that this is a big shift from how I, my relationship with money before and how I thought about finances. Just because I can buy it, don't mean that I should. And that again, just because I can buy it does not mean that I should. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you, nothing feels better than me than seeing those stats, like as they add up in my account, (laughs) because the stuff that I would have deemed appropriate for me to purchase, it's not that I can't afford anymore. I can afford greater now, but just because I can don't mean I should. Come on. That's so good because that's that's what we mess up. That's exactly what we mess up. We we're making fifty five thousand dollars a year, right? And then we decide, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and buy that five series BMW, or I'm gonna go ahead and buy the baby Benz coupe because I'm making fifty five thousand dollars a year. But that car is worth half of your salary. By the time you're done paying for that car, you still have to eat. You still have to live. Mm-hmm. You still have to go to the doctor for your visits. You still have to put gas in the car. You still have to get it maintenance. You still have to have insurance, car insurance and medical insurance. You still have to put groceries in your house. You got to pay rent, mortgage, or mortgage, whatever one you're doing, mm-hmm. lights, phone, 
Now, unless you're dedicated to sleeping in this car, then that's just a whole different situation. But that's where we mess up. We mess up right there. Okay, yep, I'm making this much. Whether buying a car that's already paid off um, mm -hmm. and putting a little love into that versus paying a car note every month, I think that's that's a lot better. Yeah, and I and so I love nice things. Like anybody who knows me knows I love nice things. I'm never going to be out here looking thrown away. I'm going to look like more money than I have on most occasions. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it should be. <laughs> but in truth, now the way I see it is I just try to make the best decision. And what I really love about the idea of like my vehicle was paid off recently. I just paid off my vehicle. Um, I did. Okay, hold on. Hold mm -hmm. on. Let's clap. Thank you. Let's clap. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> so I did not want to buy another vehicle because I knew I didn't want a car payment. Uh, one thing about when I was given a screen display of the truth of where I was financially, mm -hmm. I was able to see that, well, part of the reason that I'm feeling like I'm in a different classification than I am is because I don't get to see the money that I'm making. And it's because it's got other destinations it's got to take. So when I started to remove some of those things and I got a chance to have and hold what it was that I was earning and then get to breathe and feel the life that I was creating, I didn't want to go back from there. So yeah. I ended up paying the vehicle off and now I'm working towards, I'm snowballing to take care of every other debt. Like I'll be debt free and it, it won't take very long. But the point is the person who purchases a newer vehicle that they don't need to purchase. I just feel like what could you potentially be doing with that? Because putting tender love and care into a car is not going to change that. It's going to depreciate. Right. And if this is a feel good purchase, is there a cheaper way to do that? Ooh. Is there a cheaper way to do that? Like, can you just go eat? <laughs> you know, like, yes. Can you go yeah. eat? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Make the least harmful decision. And that's honestly how I've grown in many categories. I'm just like, okay, if you've got to make a bad decision, girl, can you just make the least harmful of these bad decisions? Because like I said, with just because I can't afford it doesn't mean that I should. And when life comes knocking at the door, maybe I had an additional $600 discretionary income. Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm going to have a four or $500 car payment, if I have that luxury vehicle you mentioned, then I'm now in a position to where I'm not leaving enough room in my budget to buffer life when it comes. Wow. And so when life comes knocking, it's coming with heat. It's yeah. coming with pressure. Um, I'm driving this car and this feels good and it was a feel good purchase, but couldn't maybe going on a cruise with your family or taking a trip to, to a destination that you were interested in. And instead of that being a continuous expense that you have to pay, that could just be a one-time thing and you could potentially save for that. So I just, I'm like, okay, what's the least harmful decision that still gets you to what it is that you desire? 
because I don't want anyone to think don't enjoy your life that like you deserve to enjoy your life, which is more of the reason why I implore everyone to look at how you can ensure you can enjoy your life with longevity, not just right now, but later. And I ended up getting a financial advisor and mm -hmm. with my financial advisor, she said to me, only young Renisha can take care of old Renisha. Oh, and how if I could potentially every dollar today be $8 tomorrow. And what she was trying to do is instill in me the discipline to delay my gratification. Yeah. And we don't do that often. No. So we don't because it's gratifying right now. And it's sad because I see people who are unable to walk away from a job because that's not serving them at all at any capacity except for being a paycheck and they are stressed mm. they are stressed because they weren't able to speak to the young version of themselves and say hey man we we're gonna get older and we're gonna want to do other things so mm -hmm. this is the the, the sacrifice now so we can do whatever we want to do later. Right. So that's good that she said that. Yeah, it. she really helped to solidify for me why it was imperative that I made some different decisions. Because as much as the bottom line of my salary would look as if it supports why I could have a very prosperous future, my salary affords me to have a fund right now. Mm -hmm. But how I spend those dollars will determine, am I going to be able to make sure I'm taking care of the future? And then also, what about some of those dreams I have? Mm -hmm. I'm about generational wealth. I'm about leaving something that continues beyond stories about me. Yeah. yeah. How can I impact? There are so often we have these dreams and these goals and these desires to do these things that can bless more than just us. But it takes resources to do that. So at some point, we have to not think about ourselves, delay some of the stuff, make a less harmful decision, and stash some of that or invest it so it can grow. Yeah. I got to tell you, when I went to, when I first met with the financial advisor I ended up working with, um, it was through a program. And that's another thing. We have to educate ourselves. It was through a program that the library was sharing and my roommate did it he found out about it from the library and if you completed the program basically you had about um six courses once a month i want to say mm -hmm. and you just had to go to them and at the end you would take a test and all they did was they were teaching you about finances and you would think it would be some intimidating stuff but really it was just stuff to kind of shift you away from this consume, 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 debt, 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 buy this thing, buy that. It ended up really shifting my life. And reason being is when I had to meet with the financial advisor after the program concluded to start the two free years of advisorship that I was given, we had all of my life and money on a projection screen. Like I wasn't allowed to, oh, well, you know, I'm going to tell you about this piece of, but I'm not going to tell you about that debt. 
Wow. I deserve to be honest because this person was helping me and we put it all out there. When we put it out there and we looked at my net worth and we looked at, cause it can feel like I said, you're making money, you're doing good. You can afford your right now. But when we look at, if you maintain that, what are you going to have in retirement? That was one of the saddest days of my life. Because <laughs> it seems so, it seems so hard hitting. Like, um, I know it's base level, but it, it is hard hitting because when you're so used to doing things a certain way for so long, and then somebody brings you a question, just like the question you posed, will you be okay with driving your 2002 in 2030 while everybody else is buying and buying and buying and doing all these other things it's a really really insightful and self-awareing um situation that you have to like you have to think about this you have to confront it because either you're going to confront it or it's going to confront you i just keep running rather yeah so i mean the light at the end of the tunnel, I will say, is that, like, we're talking about my failures when it comes to finances and my relationship with money. I'm a faithful chick with my money now. Things did get better, but I want you to know that um, my net worth was trash, okay? Like, <laughs> it was absolute trash because you got to think about, all right, what do we have as assets and all the stuff that we are doing, all this stuff to possess outside of property a lot of times is not an investment not it is straight depreciating generally folks be having a payment on the car they don't even own it so that's not going to be considered an investment so then all most people really have that looks towards the positive when you are putting all your stuff on front street is what do you earn but yeah. then that means if that's where your positives are coming from it's going to take into account what you owe as well so back to them swipey swipes, back to the student loans, back to, shoot, we going to get into it? Can we get into it? Yep, go ahead. Back to this cute furniture that you had to buy her. She did that. Mm -hmm. So doggone expensive. I could have gone out, purchased the forest, cut down the trees, and built my own desk for cheaper. That's all I'm saying. But back <laughs> Back to, back to all of these things that we put on credit, this new outfit on layaway, like clothes ain't running out. Like they're not really tearing not up in the same way we gotta that we gotta just be out here because we don't want people to see us in the same thing over and over. Like it really just gets to really tell a lot of truths about our decisions and the motives of those decisions. But once I started to shift my actions of what I was doing with my coin. Here it is two years later. So I no longer have that relationship with the advisor because recently that time expired. But can I tell you that my net worth went up $60,000? Wow. In two years. My net worth went up a salary. A whole salary. Actually, it could be a whole two salaries. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yep. Just because you shifted. Yep. And my investments are down 26% because of, you know, things that are going on in society. Right. And I'm still with that number. So it would have been better than that. 
And now that's, to me, that's freedom. That's, that's absolute freedom because you have, you're seeing your, the, the, the fruits of your labor and the fruits of your labor didn't go out. They stayed in and they continue to grow. So that, that's important. That's important. So, so give me, um, give me a breakdown of how your how you're handling your money now. Okay. One, I always know what's going on with my money. Okay. Like I'm not absentee in that relationship. Um, I also put some things into place that are just kind of like buffers yes. so that I can be successful. So depending, I would say to anyone, depending on wherever you've noticed your challenges to be, you aren't going to be able to do like an old dude that you just keep taking back. No, you just got to break up for good. So yeah. you got to stop using the credit card. Uh, you might even need to, if say your challenges with saving, you might even need to set up some automatic savings transfers. Uh, so one thing that I found when we were looking at my money was I was doing a lot of good things, but they weren't wisdom. So I had matured beyond maybe doing, um, like when I got my vehicle, for instance, I only bought that vehicle because my other vehicle died. So I had to get another vehicle, but I could not wait to be without a car payment because that's hundreds of dollars that you get, you know, to keep for yourself. Yes. But with what I was doing for some of the other stuff, um, I was buying a lot of gifts, but I was buying maybe more expensive gifts. I was, I was doing a lot of giving and I'm not going to say that giving is bad, but what I found was I wasn't being reasonable and making sure that I paid myself first. So I was paying all my bills. Like I've always like paid my bills. Um, so I've been responsible in that, but outside of that, I looked at, I spent based on my balance, not based on a budget. Ooh, that's good. Cause we don't budget. We just look into our account and be like, oh, yeah, I got it. So I'm going to go ahead and spend mm-hmm. it. And that's that. We should not be doing that at all. We should not be doing that at all. But, yeah, I had to jump in right there. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's a hard. I don't want to say it's hard because I don't want to deter people. But I will say it's for sure a mindset shift. And it's not something you can just go, oh, it's cool. I'll be able to. I'm only going to spend what I need to spend. No, you're going to spend until you hit red because it's available. Yeah. Um, so I, I had to start, like I said, not using the card. And even with that, that was a bit challenging too, because I didn't realize like I had auto payments set up, connected to that card for certain things. Mm-hmm. And like what you were talking about with interest rates. So even with my interest rate, not being as high as that, I'm still, paying something to use that money. And because I'm not using wisdom with, with the extra money that I have, like least harmful way to do it. Right. So say I want to bless somebody. Do I have to get blessed them with $300 worth of something? Is no. my heart still going to be conveyed if I do it with 15? Yes. So because of the fact that I was spending based on my budget and I had the money to do the extra stuff, Um, I found that I was not making the decisions that was thinking conservation of money. 
-hmm. and not making decisions, thinking conservation of money kind of put me in a position to where my money was always leaving and it wasn't growing. Okay. Let me, uh, I need to jump in because this just came to me. Do not allow those who, those of you who are listening, do not allow anyone to guilt trip you into giving monetarily. That type of manipulation will always keep you in bondage and it will always keep you broke without funds. If it hurts you to give money to somebody more than it helps both of you, then you probably should not give. Mm. You should probably go into your prayer corner or have a heart to heart, get with your intuition, whatever, however you do it. You need to get wisdom on how to give, who to give to, and when to give. Yes. Because you do get hung up on the story, and I'm doing air quotes, even though you can't see me, on the story versus really like, am I supposed to be Captain Save Them? Or am I supposed to do something else? Yeah, and and I will say that giving, like, I'm my daddy's child. For God so loved the world that he gave. Like, he wants to give, but there's always a level of wisdom, and I'm supposed to give within what I can afford. And because I look at my balance to dictate what I could afford, it's not even giving to people because they're asking because one thing is my relationships are managed well so I don't have none of that in my life thank the lord but I really 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 do a heart have a heart to love on people and I don't have an issue using my finances like I'm like if I can afford to do it then I want to love on people and I want to bless them well when my advisor was like only young Renisha can take care of old Renisha. She kind of was speaking to the fact that as I look to cover other people and love on them, I need to remember that big picture that's connected to something that I should be doing. And if I steward it right, then I can be doing this at the big level I desire to do. I just have to delay it. So prime example I want to have a $25,000 a year scholarship that I give out every year in my retirement. Wow. I want to do that. And I want to give out a scholarship to someone in my family. So when I think about generational wealth or generational progress, education and resources. So I want to put someone in a better position. Now, Whereas it might not be a bad thing that I decide that I'm going to do. I'm no Mother Teresa, don't don't get me wrong. But it may not be a bad thing that I decide, you know what? The homeless have needs. I want to feed them. It's hot out here in Phoenix. I'm going to put it in my budget to once a month go and buy the supplies so that I can give out 50 bags. Yeah, that's a great thing. Absolutely. But... What if I'm called to be Mother Teresa of my generation? Like, what if I'm supposed to not just help the people of Phoenix? What if I'm supposed to be a missionary on the other side of the world? 
Yeah. That's going to take more than that 300. Like you got to be able to have the resources to even do the stuff you desire to do. So it's like, I can set myself up in a position to where I can do that. So one thing that I changed is I started adjusting how I looked at what I can afford based on my goals and based on a budget. Another thing I did is because I, I still need to be true to me and authentic to what I desire to do. I sent, I started um, partnering. So, you know, you have like different causes you can partner with. Yeah. So partnering with a cause that's doing maybe the things I want to do. So I'm still sowing a seed and then I'm being responsible because big goal, I'm going to be one of those causes one day. Oh, another thing. I, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> so when it comes to some of the other things I did, I had to be aware of where my money was going. So telling yourself the ugly truth about what it is that you're spending, what are you spending it on? And I was eating a lot of my money. Like, just kind of like, okay, well, there isn't anything going on, or I don't really know many people out here, or I want something to do, and taking myself out. Oh, when I tell you I date myself well, I date myself well, honey. So I'm raise my hand today, too. <laughs> and I love a good chew. So going to restaurants, doing this, doing that, you know, I can afford it. But should I do it? So shifting that, not eating out as much. Well, when I don't eat out as much, but I still have to eat, it actually means that I'm not blowing up as much. Right. Dare I say, that is a double win. So <laughs> that was something that I made an adjustment to. Um, and then I started looking at what I had left from budgeting to the mm -hmm. balance of my money and deciding what it was I was going to tackle. So as I started knocking things down and tackling debt, it started freeing more money back up in my income. And I started getting freer, started feeling lighter. And then they actually started creating opportunities for me to do some more of those things that I want to do. I just had to kind of delay and be a little disciplined and taking care of some priorities before I went back into, you know, gifting, serving, helping mode. Yeah. Okay, because I'm glad that you said that because that was going to be my next question. Like what, to tie everything that we've discussed thus throughout this cast, what advice would you give to someone? That don't be ashamed of where it is you're starting. Mm. That it's not too late ever. And you can make mistakes with money. You don't have to be perfect with it. But just make sure that if you look at your budget, I'm sorry, let's not even deal with the B word yet. If you look at what you make and what you make does not allow you to pay yourself 10% and I'm a tither for me to then 10% to my Lord for whatever he wants to do in the kingdom, then I can't really afford my life. And looking at that, if that's where you find yourself, it's okay to stand there and then decide what decisions you're going to make. And you don't have to be ashamed about that. Yes. It's, you don't have to be ashamed about downsizing. You don't have to be ashamed about not advancing your life to meet every raise you get. Um, I know that we're wrapping it up, but I want to say something really important. 
So this time of year, people are coming into extra money. Yeah. You want to know what I did with my extra money? Stash. I put it all to my IRA. I did not have an IRA before my financial advisor. And I was feeling bad about it at first because I'm seeing people do things with money. And I'm just like, I didn't even get to enjoy it. That's a mindset issue because not only am I going to get to enjoy it, I'm going to be able to make sure others do Yes, because it's going to grow. So look for opportunities to, even if you're not at the place to where you can start making steps for your money to grow, just stop it leaving you. <laughs> like just do what you can to stop your money from leaving you get disciplined enough to where you don't touch it so that you can make some adjustments and be able to function within the best situation. And then just try to figure out, okay, if looking at your, your resources, your finances, where can you make a less harmful decision? Yeah, that's good. So I will, I will say this. If you are in a space where you feel like you're not handling your money properly, because we're not perfect. We're just speaking from experience and our experience, I pray, is going to help you. I would get a piece of paper, write down every bill that you have, that you have to pay every month, and then write down the last four checks that you got from work. And do some checks and balances and see what you can get rid of. The most important part, like Radisha said, she's a tither. I'm a tither too. My my 10%, whatever I get, if it's if it's $20, $2 is going mm-hmm. to God. And I am tithing to whatever he tells me to tithe, whether it be my church, whether it be an organization, whether it be a person. I am making sure that I say, God, thank you for what you've given me. Now with this much, what do, who, where does it need to go? So that's important that you do that. Also paying yourself. Again, you work too hard not to have anything to show for it. And even if you start with just paying yourself $10 every paycheck, that $10 adds up no matter what you put to the side it's going to add up because you're not touching it you're constantly building into it and then see what you can get rid of see exactly what you can get rid of so that way your money won't be handling you at all so dr rue i'm so so sorry one other thing i just thought about you let them go Someone else's money story does not have to be your money story. Thank you. I grew up my entire life hearing and expecting that when people get older, they get on a fixed income. Yeah. Why it's got to be fixed. My income's not going to be fixed, but whatever money that you set aside later, because the whole thing is you're going to need money later, just like you need money now. Yes. So when you were talking about paying yourself also, Whenever you pay those things off, whatever interest that came on that, it's almost like you're paying yourself that interest and that payment once it's paid off. You also, if you have an employer who is going to give you some kind of um, retirement investment plan, 
Yeah. You can afford that 3%. Don't be young and dumb like I was, like I was going to miss that 3%. Take every dollar of that match that they have because that's someone putting extra money towards making sure your behind is covered in retirement. Yep. Because that company is covered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that CEO is covered. Those mm-hmm. owners are covered. So why not take what they're giving you and cover yourself? Yes. So, um, anything else before we go? No, I appreciate you guys listening to my journey and I feel like I failed out here in finances, so y'all don't have to. Yes, thank you. (laughs) And if anyone has any questions, then, you know, reach out to me. I've already shared this much. I don't have any issue whatsoever sharing something if it can maybe help you on your journey. And where can we reach you? So you can reach me at Life with Rue on IG. Um, you can also, I want you guys to check me out too. So I have a store, uh, it's defining you and you can find that at defining you by his Um, you can always email defining you by his view at Gmail. Um, you can reach me on, on social media, all social media platforms for the most part, Facebook, it's Renisha Fields, um, wherever you choose to hit me up. Thank you so much. So again, you can reach her on Instagram, Facebook, and also at the wonderful store, Defining You by His View. Thank you guys for listening. And hopefully from here out, your money won't handle you. You'll be handling your money. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.